Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. What I'm about to say may rustle some feathers, right? It may make some people feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't think the people were comfortable like the vendors when Jesus was flipping tables and, and, you know, putting them out. I don't think that they were comfortable, but because, that's because the truth is not always synonymous with comfort. So I figured, I figured I would preach on a light subject today. I'm going to talk about Satan. and particularly his deceitful strategies and the world. See, he has a few names. Once he was the angel of light turned prince of darkness, Lucifer, Beelzebub, the god of this age, ruler of this world, the enemy, uh, prince of power of the air, the devil, Satan. My main point is it's okay to say his name. Don't be afraid of it, because I promise you, he knows yours. Now, what if I stood up here and I preached? One should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures. One's body should never be broken, infringed, or dishonored. The freedoms of others should be respected. And people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that may have been caused. Pretty agreeable, right? Pretty understandable. Now, some of those things I just listed were some of the fundamental beliefs of the satanic temple. It's pretty shocking, right? Because for a second you were agreeing with it. Now, what if I stood up here and preached, it's okay to cheat on your wife? You know, what what does she really do for you? You know, uh, 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 there is a time to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, uh, you you can cast spells, play with the Ouija, seek the dead. You know, uh, 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 you know, witchcraft is really just meant, you know, if used responsibly, it's okay. You know, save up all your money. You are the one who provided it. Those people in need around you, they made their bed. They're just haters of yours. See, if I stood up here and preached that, you guys wouldn't want to hear it. Right? Why? Because it's blatantly, in your face, evil. But if I put a cool beat to it, put a nice melody to it, Man, half of us will bump it on the way to work tomorrow morning. If I dim the lights, pass out some popcorn and put it on the big screen, man, some of us will pay to see it. I'm not saying that if you watch Harry Potter or listen to Ozzy Osbourne or, or, or dress your kids up in October that you're going to end up going to hell as some Satan worshiper. What I'm asking is, can you do it 
and do it to the glory of the Lord. But it's just a stupid holiday. It's just a song. You know, it's just lyrics. I don't mean it. God sees my heart. I get you. I got it. I hear you. And a very common scripture to, to be used to defend this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You see, he's talking, uh, uh, Paul here is talking about pork rinds, right? He's talking about pork. And after Jesus did what he did, he says, look, all, all food is clean now, right? But don't go with a bag of pork rinds to your buddy's house to a believer that still feels a certain way about pork. Right? It's, it's, you don't want to become that stumbling block. Right? The verse says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fulfillment thereof. Notice it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So yes, partake in his creation. We're free to do so. Bacon. Amen. If you don't amen something, amen bacon. Thank you, Jesus. But notice Paul does not say the world and everything in it. Right? The word earth here is a Greek word pronounced K. And it, and it says, or it translates into the physical soil, the ground, the, the earth, its inhibitors, versus the word world used throughout the Bible. The same world that Jesus proclaims his kingdom is not a part of. The same world that we are told not to love. And if we do, then the love of God is not in us. That word, world, is cosmos. That word cosmos defined as an orderly arrangement. In other words, a methodically arranged plan. Different words. Two very different meanings. But more on that in a second. I'm going to jump to 1 Peter chapter 5. Where he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now when I read this, I kind of get into like a, a slight like pulling left and right, a conundrum. Like a, 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 what's causing these Christians suffering here? If all these Christians in the world are suffering, what's causing it? Is it the devouring that's causing the suffering? Or is it the temptation and the actual act of resisting the devil that's causing the suffering? And if it's the resistance that's causing the suffering, why? Why would resisting the devil cause suffering? It's because he makes us love it. He makes us, his agenda normal and okay. He makes us think that he didn't just lay that landmine for you to step on. As a matter of fact, what landmine? 
See, there's a reason why the military these days no longer wear bright red suits, you know, and, and, and shiny belt buckles, you know, beating on a drum and playing the flute. No, we wear camouflage now. Why? Because it's easier to kill the enemy when they do not see you. They do not see that you are present. They are deceived until it is too late. I'm going to jump to Ezekiel 28 and paraphrase. It's a prophecy against the king of Tyre. But the description of this prophecy turns from the king of Tyre and starts to turn into the description of Lucifer before his fall. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. You were anointed as the guardian cherub. You were on the holy mount of God. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. You see, that description doesn't sound like a pointy red tail and a pitchfork. It sounds like convincing camouflage. Has anybody heard of a gentleman named Joseph Smith? Does that name sound familiar to anybody? See, Joseph Smith, this guy had a revelation by an angel. He visited Joseph. And this revelation start, started him to start the Mormon church. And yes, they believe in a Jesus, but not the same Jesus of this Bible. They believe that they will be exalted into God's, their, themselves one day. And own like their own planet and world. They will be exalted as long as their works are good enough. You guys probably heard of this guy, though. Uh, he goes by the name of Muhammad. He was also visited by an angel. And this revelation started him to start the nation of Islam. Or Islam, sorry. They also believe a lot of what we believe. Of what we believe. That Jesus is the Messiah. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He resides in heaven and he will come back to defeat the Antichrist. Matter of fact, the Quran talks about Jesus more than it does Muhammad. But they refuse to believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. They believe he was just a good prophet. They believe that he died on the or they refuse to believe that he died on the cross. And their works at the end will be judged to see if they were good enough to get into heaven. Sick and twisted versions of scripture, and I do believe something that these guys proclaimed. I do believe they were indeed visited by an angel. This angel probably seemed full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Adorned by precious stones and gold, they were deceived and then they were devoured. Satan is such a deceiver that he has his own followers blinded to the fact that he is a real being. Straight from the Church of Satan website, 
frequently asked questions. Question, why do Satanists worship the devil? Answer, we don't. Satanists are atheists. We see the universe as being indifferent to us, and so all morals and values are subject or subjective to human constructions. Our position is to be self-centered with ourselves being the most important person, the God of our subjective universe. So we are sometimes said to worship ourselves. Our current high priest Gilmore calls this step moving from being an atheist to an atheist. Satan to us is a symbol of pride, liberty, and individualism. And it serves as an external metaphor, a metaphorical projection of our highest personal potential. We do not believe in Satan as a being or a person. I feel like there are so many Christians these days that live their life subconsciously agreeing with that last sentence. Yes, keep your eyes on the lion of Judah, but they refuse to face the reality of the lion that is prowling, looking for someone to devour. You see, Jesus in Mark 12, he was asked what the most important commandments, uh, out of the commandments, which are the most important, or which one is the most important, and he summarized them down to two. The first one being, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Jesus projected outward when it came down to summarizing the laws of God. Later in the garden, sweating blood, crying to the Father, may your will be done. Yet a gentleman named Alistair Crowley, I don't know if this name rings a bell for anybody, See, he's the founder of a, a Thelema cult born from the Satanic Church and involved a lot of demonic witchcraft and magic. Ozzy made a, 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 a very catchy song about him. Hey, Mr. Crowley. I used to bump it. I used to listen to it because it was catchy. It was just lyrics. You see... He also summarized their demonic laws down to two. The first one, do what thou wilt. Do what you want. And the second, which is a twist, love is the law and love under will. See, he tries to win you over with this term love, but it's twisted because it's love on our terms as if we are the ones supplying the love. And this ties in with a different kind of pride that you see so prevalent in the world today. That's a whole other sermon. Are you seeing a pattern here? See, the devil wants our eyes off of him and on ourselves. And this strategy has seeped its way into the church. Our gathering is supposed to be to his glory, but it seems like the Western church as a whole is more focused on our experience while we are here.
And not just like the prosperity gospel or these sermons that you hear are just like a, a self-help guide. I'm not talking about large things like that, but it's just little things. Like, man, I really wish we had drums this morning. Perhaps I would have been more in it. I wish they played more songs that I like. And that I know the lyrics to. When are they going to get comfy chairs? I like the coffee and snacks and the people at the Tampa campus more. It's just a better vibe. Let me not raise my hands in worship. I mean, I look weird or vulnerable. Or other things like fancy sound equipment, drapery, smoke machines, colored lights, easy commute, easy parking. Oh, that final prayer is about to start better. Get that piano going so we can really feel the anointing. But better not make it too long. People got things to do today. Football starts at 4 and we're hungry too. Do you think the angels in heaven right now who are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Do you think after they just look at each other and says, man, I just really wasn't feeling worship today. You know, because the devil is not omnipresent. That means he can't be everywhere at once like God can. He must make an efficient system that guides those that are not alert to his will. That system is called the world, cosmos, that methodically arranged plan. You see, I sell, as a job, I sell race car parts. If you guys need anything, let me know. <laughs> if I had to talk to every single person that needed a part and manually make each estimate and invoice, I would barely make ends meet. I don't have enough time in the day. Sure, I could even hire an uh, army of sales guys to do my bidding, but it's still not quite efficient enough. But I have a website. I can just point customers towards the website, make it normal for them to just look on the site all by themselves and buy something all by themselves. And when they buy something, I rejoice. Because not only did I get the sale, but I didn't have to do anything. It's an efficient system where I don't have to be there to get the result that I want. I even get a little email alert. Ding! Oh, yes. Another one. It's not a direct correlation, but man... I believe when the devil sees a guy driving down Dale Mabry, blasting a song, bobbing his head, glorified in greed, adultery, and murder. Ding. Oh, another one. See, the world is an efficient system where he doesn't have to be there to get the result that he wants. That automatic system has, that he has normalized to be anti-God. Don't you think it's weird that we live in a day where it's normal to create a web, a web page about ourselves? 
And we tend to use that same web page to check out other people's pages and compare ourselves to them and compare our lives and our stuff, causing us to covet our neighbors and stuff and lifestyle all while having the nerve to call it social media when it's doing the exact opposite of fellowship. It's anti-social. It's anti-God. But Asiel, I use it as a tool to spread the gospel. Amen. That is great. But it's hard not to get addicted to go back to it five minutes later just to see how many people liked what you posted. We want that gratification of, of laughing faces and thumbs ups and prayer hands from people. The question that you need to ask yourselves is Does God like my post? And if he does, if it lines up with scripture, I don't care if I don't get any likes on it. Don't even get me started on the reels. Man, that's a time soaker right there. Or you start to scroll and that algorithm throws an image in there every now and then. You know, that image that you find yourself just kind of glancing at for a second. What? You think that's some kind of random event? That's not a camouflage landmine left for you to step on? This phone is a weapon that the enemy uses against us. It's used to keep our mind from being sober. It hinders our prayer life. Man, I can't even focus longer than like five seconds without going to the next subject. It hinders our alertness and makes us complacent to the hungry, roaring lion that is prowling. Everybody following me? See, we do not struggle with flesh and blood. This is spiritual warfare. The Lord wouldn't give us this full sword of armor and tell us to put it on every single day if we weren't stepping out into a battlefield. What did you think this was? I'm talking about the belt of truth, the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness, the readiness that's fitted on our feet, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are in a war, but we can walk in peace because we know who gave us this armor. This is my favorite part. I'm speaking for every believer in the room today. Please take a second with me to posture your hearts to agree with me and stand with me on this. I don't want to say anything. I don't want any of me in this message. 
I am simply a vessel that the Holy Spirit comes down and fills up and I pour on to others. And just the act of pouring on to others is the actual thing that continues to fill me up. It is an amazing circle of, of gratitude that we do. It's time to pull out our sword. It's time to fight. The armor is there for the defense. The sword is there for the offense. This is my letter to Satan. I am fully aware of the reason why you hate me. It is the same reason why my Father in Heaven loves me. Because when you both look at me, you see the same thing. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am fully aware of your deceitful tricks. My eyes have been opened by the, my Father in Heaven and instead of looking down at the army against me, I'm focused on the surrounding chariots of fire above me and we have the high ground. I have no relation to death anymore. Death does not pertain to me because it was defeated by the Lamb of God that was slain on the cross along with my flesh and sin. In exchange for death that I deserved, he graciously has given me eternal life with him. I am no longer a slave to you and your world. I am a slave to righteousness. His spirit lives within me, and he who lives within me is greater than he who is of this world. I will not conform to the pattern of this world, but I will be transformed by the renewal of my mind. You see, I do not wear camouflage. I will display my light for everyone to see and show that I no longer live in darkness. I am called to be holy as God is holy. That means set apart. That means to stand out, not blend in. The love of the Father is in me, therefore I will not love the world. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. I refuse to act like I got on the throne by my own doing. But do not get it twisted. Because I am seated. I'm seated on the very throne that you yearned for but fell short of. It is by the grace of God that he has placed me on the throne with him and take a wild guess who my footstool is. You see, I put my feet up because they're tired. They're tired and bruised from crushing the enemy all day and night. Not because I am, but because I am. I refuse to exalt my name. I will forever give all the glory to the name above all names.
He has a few. The great I am. Jesus. Yeshua. Emmanuel. Jehovah. El Shaddai. Yahweh. Abba. Elohim. Adonai. It's my main point. It's okay to say his name. Because I promise you, he knows yours. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.